This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Kevin, and I'm so glad that you're here. If it's your first time, welcome to New Life. If it's your second time, maybe you joined us at Easter. Welcome back. If you're visiting from out of town, so glad you're here. Out of state, even better. If you're visiting from out of the country, you win. And in fact, we have three friends visiting from out of the country today. So, yeah, it's very exciting. You thought you had to get here early. Think about them. They came from India. So we've got these great ministry partners in southern India who run an orphanage and a school. They have about 30 churches, and now they're expanding to doing some medical work. It's very, very exciting. And some of my dear, dear friends from that ministry are here with us, and they're going to be out in the lobby a little bit later. I'd love for you to meet them. Just go say hi. You'll see a big display out there. Grab your four NorCal gear. Say hi to our friends. And I'll be over at Guest Central. I'd love to meet you after service. Well, we had a great Easter Did you know that we celebrated Easter with 984 people last weekend? So exciting. But here's the kicker, okay? Here's the kicker. Well, that was, ow, that really hurt. 18 of us, 18 people in our community made decisions to put their trust in Jesus last weekend, which just makes me so happy. And if that's you, I've been praying for you this week. That's so fun. That's so fun. Well, we are starting a series today that I have wanted to lead into for months now. The series is Bad Blood, and I wanted to talk about this series because the truth is bad blood can infect and affect every single relationship. And the trick is no one knows exactly where or when it will strike, but bad blood can impact and affect every relationship. So if you've ever had an ex, ex ex-business partner, ex-friend, ex-spouse, ex-in-laws, ex-roommate, you've had a relationship characterized by bad blood. Um, If you've ever had one of those moments where you see someone across the room and you think, I'm just going to go ahead and go this direction. I think I need a drink from the drinking fountain. The restroom looks like a good place to be right now. You've had a relationship characterized by bad blood. And the reason why it's so important that we talk about this, and again, I love what Diva said, wherever you find yourself on the spiritual spectrum, this topic is for you. Because the quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. The quality of our lives is only as good as the quality of our relationships. And so in this series, we're going to talk about how to grow in our relationships, because happiness, and I heard a pastor say this one time, and I really think it's true. Happiness comes from three key relationships, peace with God. We talked about that last week in our Easter message, and if you missed it, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. You can watch it online. You can grab our app. Peace with myself, which ultimately comes after we find peace with God and peace with others. And what I want to do for the next four weeks is talk about this last part right here. How can I have peace with others? Because you and I both know that if a relationship has gone sideways, it doesn't just affect the other person. I mean, how much sideways energy have you and I spent having internal conversations where we're winning that argument, we're winning that battle, we're building our case, we're building up the wall and the tower that they'll never be able to knock down? We're spending sideways energy How many of you have laid in bed at night and you're just steaming and you're cooking and you're stirring on this thing and it's like, oh, 
I just can't. And your spouse leans over and they like, honey, give me a hug. And you like smack them away. I'm like, what What just happened? Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about someone else. Or maybe you were thinking about them. But you don't need to able them right now. Because honestly, bad blood relationships, they rob us of the life that we were designed to live. And here's the big idea for this entire series. It's that you can have peace about a relationship, even without peace in a relationship. You can actually have peace about the relationship if you do what the guy who we're going to look at today suggests that you do. And the guy that we're going to look at today is this prolific ancient thinker and philosopher and leader who had his fill and his share of bad blood relationships. And he's going to say something, and and when he first says it, you're going to think to yourself, that's the biggest pie-in-the-sky, rainbows and unicorns phrase I've ever heard. But he gives a few caveats above it that we're going to explore. And the guy's name is Paul, and in this letter called the Letter to the Church in Rome, or Romans, that you'll find in the New Testament of your Bible, Paul says this. He says, live at peace with everyone. To which you and I would say, eh, not possible, can't do it. What are you thinking? You either have to be blind to the world around you to engage with this, or you have to be an ostrich with your head in the sand. There's no way I can live at peace with everyone. Of course, this is what you're thinking. Of course, church people would say this. Right? Church people say, live at peace with everybody. It's all happy. It's fine. We know Jesus. Jesus is great. Hooray! <laughs> but Paul, it's to understand the gravity of what Paul's about to say, you have to know Paul's story. Paul was up to his eyeballs in bad blood relationships. And if you think your relationships get a little bit tense, you have no idea what this guy went through. This guy, Paul, started out hating Jesus followers. So much so that he went around and he'd find little small groups of Jesus followers and he would throw them in jail or he would have them murdered. He was a Jewish teacher, kind of an up-and-comer in the Jewish community. All the Jewish people loved him and they almost revered him. And then one day he, he met Jesus and it changed his life. And maybe you're here today and you would say, boy, religion, faith, Jesus is the farthest thing from me. But maybe like Paul, today, you're going to meet Jesus, and it could change your life. And so I would just invite you, just be open. Just be open. Keep your open sign on. Because Paul met Jesus, and when Paul met Jesus, it changed everything. He started becoming a leader of Jesus' followers. Now, imagine what that was like. Paul's trying to lead people whose moms and dads he had had either murdered or thrown in prison. Would you follow a leader whose, whose mom and dad was thrown in prison because of that person? So the Christians did not like Paul. He had bad blood, tense relationships. The Jewish people who initially followed Paul and loved him, they began to hate Paul. In fact, they tried to kill him on multiple occasions. So the Christian people didn't like him so much. The Jewish people didn't like him so much. All of his relationships were characterized by bad blood. That's the guy who's saying to you, live at peace with everyone. But the reason he can say it is because there are a few caveats to it. The first is this. He says, if it is possible, 
if it is possible, live at peace with everyone, which lets us know that it's not always possible. If, that's a big word. Because some of us are here, and we've got an estranged relationship right now, and we never in a million years would have thought that would have happened, and yet we don't see any way to live at peace in that relationship. But on the other side of the spectrum, there are some of us here, and if you would have asked us a year or two ago, would we ever have peace again in that relationship, we would say, not a chance in heaven. And yet now you're sitting next to him, or you're going to have coffee with him later on today, or you renewed a thing that was broken. So here's the great news. It might be possible for you to fix a relationship that you think is never fixable. Here's the bad news. It might never be possible. But you can have peace about the relationship even before you have peace in the relationship. The reason why I've wanted to talk about this series for so long is that about a year ago, some people whom I love deeply and people who deeply love me, we found ourselves in a bad blood relationship. And out of respect for them and out of privacy for myself, I'm not going to share the specifics of it, but needless to say, there was a period of time, probably about five or six months, when I did not know if it would ever be possible to have peace in the relationship. But because of the things that Paul teaches and the things that I've been working on and the things I'm going to share with you in a few minutes, we are forming peace again in the relationship. But I'll say this, even if you never have peace in the relationship, the pursuit of peace, even without the promise of peace, is not a pointless pursuit for you because my desire is that you would have peace even if there's not peace between the two of you. I can't actually talk to them unless they're here. And if they're here, do not elbow them. They're listening. But I care about you and the pursuit of peace, which is what Paul invites us to do. Even without the promise of peace or restoring that relationship is not a pointless pursuit because if you have bad blood, and you have not fixed it here, you, your energy, is just going sideways. So Paul tells us the kicker. And I'm actually reverse engineered this passage. But here's the kicker to the whole thing. And this is where we're going to spend our time this morning because I just want to talk to you because as far as depends on you is what he says. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This, friends, is the game changer. So we're going to stay here for a few minutes, and I want to I look at three different words in this, uh, in this passage. The first is you. You. Because isn't it true that when we get into bad blood relationships, if it's bad blood between two, we initially like to focus on you? I mean, isn't that true? Isn't that what you thought in that first year of marriage? Isn't that what you thought with that roommate? Like, it was fine. Everything was fine until you came into my life. Like, I I was happy. I remember my first year of marriage. And and if you're in your first year of marriage and it's all rainbows and unicorns, man, I'm so happy for you. That's great. Yay. (laughs) 
But for the other 99% of us, did you know that when two become one, which is what God talks about in marriage, two becoming one is not easy? Two becoming one means that each one has to let go of a little bit of their oneness so that those two people can become like a unified front together. And I remember early in marriage getting angry, like angry at my wife. And here was my thought. I didn't used to get angry until you came into the relationship. (laughs) See, when there's tension with two, it's easy to blame you. But I want to reframe that. I want to say this. When there's tension with we— I need to look to me. So let me ask you this question. If it really is as far as depends on you, what depends on you? What depends on you? Honestly, just sit for a sec. I know for some of us right now, we've got a relationship in our minds. And right now we're thinking it doesn't depend on me. See, we think about it like this. If there's a pie, we're pretty sure that 100% depends on them. Because before they were in the relationship, there was no problem. I remember early in marriage, I, uh, I, uh, I like to make people happy. That's something that I enjoy, that I feel like I'm fairly good at, with this incredible sense of humor, good oratory skill. And my wife is now shaking her head like, he's fun in half-hour increments. He's a lot full-time. That's what she's thinking right now. <laughs> Can I get an amen, Maria? Yeah, well, yeah. So we got married. Awesome. I love it. We're 11 years in, by the way. Going strong. We got married. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm only half of the equation, but thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. We got married, and Maria would be unhappy every once in a while. Go figure, a human being with emotions, right? And so I would try to make her happy. This is what I do. I try to make people happy. And I try once, and it wouldn't work. And I tried twice. And that's because when when I was a kid and I wasn't happy, my dad would always try to make me happy. We we joked that it was he would try to tickle us out of our bad moods. You have a parent like that? Like, you're in a bad mood. I can see something's wrong. You know what I'm going to do to fix it? I'm going to, like, tickle you and try to make you happy. So I would try to metaphorically tickle my wife out of a bad mood. I tried to physically do it a few times. It didn't go well. (laughs) So I tried to tickle her out of a bad mood. Worked once, or tried it once, didn't work. Tried it twice, it didn't work. The third time I tried, she still wasn't happy. I would get angry. And the thought was, how dare you not be happy in my presence? You are in my presence. (laughs) Come on. Come on, anybody anybody. And I looked at this and I thought, Maria, be happy. Come on. And then I had to ask the question, if there's a conflict with we, what depends on me? Maybe for you, you're asking the same question right now. What depends on you? Maybe it's like this. Maybe it's 23%. You know, they really, it's majority of their fault. Like, let's just be honest. It's largely them maybe 23% is you. Or, or let's, just, let's just be really honest, because I know, I know you, okay? I know you, and it's probably not even 23%. Let's just say it's 8%. 8%. Like, honestly, honestly, 92% their fault. Come on. You're here, which is how I know that you are so innocent. So I started started going to counseling and figuring out, well, what depends on me? And I realized, oh, I've got these people-pleasing tendencies in here. 
And when I can make people happy, that makes in here feel really good. But when I can't make people happy, I feel really bad in here. I know I'm living with another human being who isn't always happy all the time because they actually have real emotions. And the reason I'm getting angry is not because of her. It's because of me. So let me ask you right now, in whatever bad blood relationship you may have, your ex-partner, your ex-spouse, your ex-in-laws, your ex-roommate, your ex-friends, what depends on you? Because you actually can't fix this. But you can work on your 8%. The last word I want to look at today is this one. Paul says, as far as depends on you, which is a distance phrase. So I could ask this question. In the relationship, can you go any further? I don't know. But I'll bet you do. Right now. Can you go any further? to seek peace in the relationship. Because when there's a break between two, it's easy to blame you. I wasn't unhappy until you came in the picture. I didn't get angry until you came in the picture. Come on, I, we had less shoes and, and more money until you came in the picture. I mean, you pick your thing, okay? Like, the coffee was always made in the morning until you came in the picture. But you can't actually fix them. But you can do you. And if right now you're thinking, uh, this is actually a really dangerous question. Because when do we cross over from going further to enabling really bad stuff in a relationship? That's a fair question to ask. I want you to come back in a few weeks because we're going to talk about boundaries in a relationship. Like, how far do you go before you draw a healthy boundary and say, you know what, this is my yard and you're not allowed in this space until you get your dog on a leash because your dog keeps pooping in my yard. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so we'll get to that question. We will, I promise. I saw you shake your head. We will get there. The question... <laughs> Hopefully not about the guy whose arm is around you, but we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But you guys think I can't see you out there. I can. It's scary. Can you go any further? Because peace is possible for you when you've done all that you can possibly do. Peace is possible for you. It's possible for me when we've done all that we can possibly do. That's how you find peace about a relationship, even before you find peace in the relationship. And I'm telling you, you want to have peace about a relationship because lack of peace about that relationship is robbing you of your thoughts, of your emotions, and of your energy. So I want to talk for just, just a few minutes about two things that you can do, that I can do today to increase our peace about a relationship, even before we work towards peace in the relationship. By the way, peace in the relationship is the goal. 
That is the goal. That's the ideal But even before we get there, even before you have a conversation, and for the next few weeks, we'll be talking about how do we work towards peace in the relationship. But even before we get peace in the relationship, you can work today to figure out peace about the relationship. And here's two things you can do. First is, take your next step to figure out what depends on you. This is incredibly hard. It's interesting. Leadership uh, experts now are saying that you know what's more important than technical proficiency in a job, emotional intelligence is of key importance in any job. Do you want to succeed in your career? Be emotionally intelligent. Figure out what's going on in here. So what can you do to figure out what depends on you? You have to know you're part of the pie. You have to know what that relationship is triggering here why it keeps coming up, why you keep finding yourself in the same cycle. This is incredibly difficult to do. And I can almost guarantee that if you find yourself in a pattern of the same type of bad blood relationships, or if you're in a bad blood relationship with someone who is incredibly close to you, you've let them into your life, I can almost guarantee you won't be able to do this on your own. And you won't be able to do it with them. There's too much uh, in the relationship. So I want to give you three suggestions. One, find a good Christian counselor. And I actually did some work for you. Inside your program, there's this little handout. I gave you four different Christian counseling organizations that I know of, that I appreciate. In fact, one of the counselors on this list I go to. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, because I need to keep him available for me. Um, (laughs) Find a good Christian counselor find a good Christian counselor. Set up some appointments to figure out what's going on with me. Or if you're not ready to take that step, find a good friend. Not a fan. A fan is someone who tells you that it's 100% their fault, that you don't have any part of it. That's not a friend. That's a fan. Not a foe. A foe will tell you that it's 100% your fault. Not helpful. A friend will listen with the hope of finding peace in a relationship and mirror back to you some things about you that could lead to peace. So maybe you need to get a good Christian counselor. Maybe you just need to talk to a friend. This week, get coffee with a friend. Third, I would say this. Ask God's Spirit to reveal to you your part in it. If you're not a Jesus follower, I would... I would challenge you. Try. Just try. If you're a Jesus follower, I would say, boy, why would you not? We're told, actually, that the Spirit of God lives inside of us and leads us to truth. And God's Spirit will show you what depends on you. What part of the pie is your part? I'm sorry. Is your part of the pie? 8%. Probably only 8%. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Practice empathy. Empathy. Empathy? What on earth is empathy? You empathetic people have been feeling me this whole time. When I told stories about family, you were like, oh, my heart is just so for you guys. Those of you who heard my story about about marriage and thought, what's wrong with you? This is for you, okay? We need to talk right now. And it's for me. Empathy was not a strong, strong suit for me. Let me tell you the difference between sympathy and empathy, and then we'll talk about how to find empathy. Sympathy is acknowledging what someone else feels. 
If you've ever said this phrase to someone, I can tell that you're upset. I'm sorry that you're upset. That's not empathy. That's a fight. (laughs) Empathy is feeling what someone else feels. I had a friend explain it like this. How many of you like golf? Any golfers in the room? That's okay. I still love you. I'm not a big, not a big golfer. It hurts. Every, why, how can you do this? It's so painful. But picture a golfer, like that five minutes when they're on the putting green before you take your nap, okay? Picture a golfer <laughs> on a pro tournament. What does the golfer do on the putting green in a professional tournament? Well, if the hole's over there, they line up their shot. They get down real low. They probably taste the grass, you know. <laughs> Throw it up in the air. And then, And then they do something really interesting, don't they? Then they come around to this side. I know I'm out of the lights team. I apologize. They come around to this side, and they start looking at at the green from this angle. Then they come around here, and they start looking from this angle. And over here from this angle. You know what they're doing? They're trying to figure out the lay of the land from all the way around. Now, can a golfer get most of the lay of the land from their angle, from their first perspective? Absolutely. But there's another 10 to 20% of perspective that they get when they take the long walk around. Friends, that is empathy. Empathy is suspending your perspective for a few minutes to take the long walk around and seeing their perspective. You could say it like this. Here are the four qualities uh, that a social researcher named Teresa Wiseman came up with when it comes to empathy. The first quality is you take on the perspective of the other person as truth. You don't actually have to agree with how they got there. But their perspective is their perspective. You can argue it all day long. You can stand on this side of the putting green and say your perspective is wrong but it won't build empathy. And ultimately, it won't build relationship. Or you can take the long walk around and say, you know what? I can see from their perspective how they got there. Because in any bad blood relationship, there are multiple people involved. And we all have our own opinions on how we got there. The second step of empathy is suspending your judgment. So difficult can we just be honest? This is probably one of the toughest things to do. It's one thing to see what they see, but if you've ever had the thought, why are they being such an idiot? You haven't actually suspended your judgment yet. Am I the only one who's ever thought that? (laughs) Not about you guys. I love you guys. I'm talking about like, you know, whatever. The second step of empathy is we have to suspend our own judgment. The third step is we have to recognize the other person's emotion. In any bad blood relationship, whether you're a high feeler and you're very emotive or you're a high thinker and you think about your emotions, in every bad blood relationship, there is emotion attached. Part of empathy is we need to recognize the emotion of the other person and then finally we need to communicate that emotion. Something like this. I can see how badly you're hurting. I can see how angry you are. I didn't intend 
to make you feel that way. But I can see that I did make you feel that way. And I'm sorry for my part in causing your pain. Think about how much different that is than I'm sorry that you're in a bad mood. (laughs) One of them will end in restoring. The other one will build a wedge. Because here's the reality. In a difficult relationship, empathy can be the key to opening up a dialogue. Just opening up the dialogue that leads to a healthy relationship. First, we have to know what's going on here. What's my 8%? Second, we need to take the long walk around and see the relationship from their perspective. Because it could open up dialogue. So let me ask you this question as we wrap up. Have you done everything that you can do as far as it depends on you? Paul would say, do your best to live at peace with everyone. But the promise is you can have peace about that relationship if you've done all that you can do, even if you never have peace in the relationship. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this next thing I'm going to say, you can just kind of take this, filter through it, and decide what you think about it. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is why this is so important. Because this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus practiced empathy. Jesus looked down on humanity from where he sat with God. And instead of just saying, I can see that things are really bad down there. It seems like things are really messed up down there. They're really hurting themselves and hurting each other down there. Jesus came down to earth and took the long walk around And then we believe that when Jesus gave his life on a cross, he was doing everything he could do to restore the relationship with a humanity that had created bad blood with God. And we believe that Jesus then invites us back into a relationship with a God whom he describes as his perfect, loving, all-powerful, heavenly father. And so then when Jesus says to you and I, I want you to forgive, he says, I'd like you to forgive as I have forgiven you. When Paul says, if it's possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone, he's pulling from the teaching of Jesus, who as far as was possible, as far as depends on God, created the space for you to have peace with your heavenly father. And then he invites you and I as followers of Jesus not to hold up in our rights. Not to say, well, 8% ain't so bad when they've got 92%. He invites us to take the long walk around to own our 8% to practice empathy because it could open up the dialogue that leads to peace in the relationship but it will create the space to have peace about the relationship. As far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, as we close, if you're here, 
And the idea of a God who actually took the long walk around for you and for me is new information. I want to tell you this is the good news of the Bible. That Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was God in a bod who left heaven and came to earth so that he could empathize with our experience. He could feel our pain. He could grieve with us. He could understand the human experience. And then our God gave his life for us so that we might find peace with our perfect, loving, powerful, heavenly Father. And you can experience peace in key relationships by practicing the things that God suggests. Friend, you can find peace in your relationship with your heavenly Father by saying to God, God, I simply want to accept the work that you have already done to bring peace to us. If you want to do that, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray two prayers. One, I'm going to pray for people who are in the midst of bad blood relationships. This series could be a game changer for you. And then two, I'm going to pray and give you a chance to talk to God and say to God, God, I want to receive the gift of your forgiveness, of your hope, and of a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And if you want to make that decision, you can pray with me in that moment. Would you join me as we pray together? My hope for our community is that we would experience peace, Jesus. Peace in all three key relationships. Peace with you, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. God, I know that in a room this size, there are many of us in this topic, just coming to hear this topic necessitated so much courage and bravery because we have bad blood relationships. There are breaks right now, and we know it, and we've been avoiding it, and we don't know how to fix it, and it feels scary and daunting. So God, for my friends in this room who are in the midst of bad blood relationships, whether they're small or huge, God, would you give courage and strength to ask two big questions. What depends on me? And how can I have empathy? Would you give us the tools to do that through a trusted friend, a counselor, or your spirit? Because God, I want peace for my friends so deeply, and I know you do too. So Holy Spirit, would you be moving in this community this week to take action on the things that you're sharing with us? And friend, if you're here today and you're ready to experience peace with God, your heavenly Father, because of the work that Jesus did when he gave his life for you, you can just tell God right now. You can repeat a simple prayer. It's no magic spell or magic formula. It's just giving words to an experience that you are knowing to be true. You can repeat these words where you're sitting. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you gave your life to make a way for me to have a relationship with my heavenly Father. And I want to walk with God. So would you come and would you guide me on this journey? Would you forgive me of the ways that I have hurt myself and others and you? Would you bring healing in the places where the, the hurt of others has deeply wounded me? Would you show me what it looks like to surrender my life to your love and your leadership? I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.